Well, good morning, Waterstone. Thank you so much for joining us from your homes, with your families, and maybe even with your small groups. Uh, to be honest with you, we are aware that this might actually be more effort than just driving to church on a Sunday morning, figuring out this new technology. So thank you for sticking with us and trying to, to make this work. We know some of you are having a little bit of trouble uh, navigating, finding the feed, and we are working with you to make that happen. Um, but we are so glad that you are with us today. Wanted to make you aware of a couple things that are going on in the life of our church in the midst of this COVID-19 situation. Uh, and the first is this, our team has been working nonstop over the last few days trying to figure out ways that we can serve people in our community that are at risk. So if you are in um, the demographic of 60 plus, or if you have autoimmune concerns, we would love to find out if there are ways that we can serve you, if there are ways that we can help you with running errands, if there are ways that we can help uh, with grocery shopping. We're trying to work together to put together some teams that can help with those sorts of things. And so what you can do is you can go online to our website and we have a COVID-19 update page. You can click on that link and as you uh, go there, there's gonna be a section where you can give us your prayer requests or any requests that you might have for assistance. And that would help us navigate who needs our help and how we can mobilize teams to serve our community. Um, in addition to that, when you go to our website, you will probably notice that there's been a few updates. Uh, we actually just launched a new website website this week. Our communications team has been working nonstop over the last couple of months to get this tool into uh, people's hands. And so we're really excited about that, the new platform we have to communicate who Waterstone is, what we care about, and what we're on mission for. And so we're really excited to see this new tool launch this weekend, uh, which is kind of a, a godsend because of everything that's been going on. We're going to need a lot more technology to communicate with our people. So check that out. Um, and as you're looking at the website, uh, we do want to say that, that we are still on mission as a church. Even though uh, we are not meeting together in the same way we normally do, uh, we are still working to serve our community to make sure we are advancing God's kingdom and serving uh, him with everything that we have. And so what we would like to ask you to do is to go online and to our website. Uh, if you go up to the upper right-hand link, uh, you will see a page where you can give to our church. Um, and we would, we would love for your continued financial support in this season as we're trying to navigate uh, how to serve our community in what is a very different uh, circumstance and situation. So we thank you uh, for that support and for joining us uh, today. And if you're at home now, if you have your Bibles, we are actually going to continue worshiping with the public reading of Scripture. And so you can turn to Matthew 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 24 through 35 uh, to read with us. Thanks. All right. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? 
Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The word of the Lord. We want to thank you for praying for our staff and elders. I've gotten scores of emails over the last week just about how people are praying uh, as we have to make decisions and care for our congregation and care for our community. So thank you for your prayers. Please keep praying. And um, also want to just thank you for the notes of encouragement that have come. And uh, those mean a ton to our staff and to our elders. Thank you. These are strange and anxious days. Jan and I were at King Supers yesterday and saw all the empty meat shelves and toilet paper missing shelves and uh, just an interesting shopping experience. And then we got to the uh, checkout area and Jan had forgotten some, ran to get it and I just started talking to people, checking out there, those who wanted to talk. And um, this one woman I thought captured it really well. She said, yeah, it's like a snow day, except there's no snow or toilet paper. So strange and anxious days. These are also sad days at Waterstone. Many of you, I'm sure, have heard, but we want all of you to know, the Waterstone community, that last week, one of our pillar families, Lars and Melanie Richards, their 14-year-old son died unexpectedly. We grieve with them in this immense loss. In a moment, we will pray for them and want to ask you to join us in prayer for the Richards family. I want to encourage you two two ways. One, just to stay tuned for updates. We will get updates out. Uh, the, the, The cruelty of the time as well is the they can't even bury their son yet. They can't, they can't have a memorial service because of the COVID-19 situation. So the funeral arrangements are pending. In this time, they need their community. I want to ask you if you would find Lars and Melanie Richards on our, go to our website and onto our connected page, find their address, and please send them a card this week of prayer and words of love. Would you join me now as we pray for Lars and Melanie, big sister Ray. Lord, our thoughts and our prayers are anchored in Psalm 70 for the Richards family. Hasten, O God, save them, come quickly to their aid. Lord, help them. Be their help and their deliverer. Lord, do not delay. Father, please, this is unspeakable tragedy. We ask that Lars and Melanie and Ray, even this morning, would have a sense that you are with them. They're in their home, comforting them Bring your words to their memory. Bring your presence 
to their tears. May their communities of Front Range and Waterstone and the state police, may they just gather around them, even through technology and through the written word, just in prayer, join with their grief. Please, Lord, give them your full attention. Take them through this next hour and this next day. And please help them. We pray for them in Jesus' name, the Good Shepherd. Amen. I want to speak to you about the virus that has altered the landscape of our world. Particularly, I want us to think together this morning along with Jesus about how we as Christians are called to respond in times like these. An old Scottish preacher named James Stewart, he once gave a helpful distinction between the foreground and the background of life. He used the metaphor of a painting and he said that life, like a painting, has both a foreground and a background. The foreground holds the things that are seen, the things right in front of us. We easily focus on these things and we feel they are right there, present in our lives. The background of life is the unseen reality that those things that are behind us and beyond us and all around us. And too often our trouble is that we see only the foreground of our immediate problems and we lose sight of the invisible eternal background that helps frame the foreground with perspective. Our foreground right now is that the World Health Organization officially declared COVID-19 to be a pandemic. Our foreground right now is the frightening possibilities coming every hour from daily news reports. Our foreground right now is not only the physical threat of the virus, but also the threat to our economy, our jobs, our businesses, our savings, our future plans. This is the foreground, and it is unsettling. But there's also a background. There are spiritual realities and promises that frame reality with hope. And in our text today, Kimber read, Jesus recognizes both the foreground and the background of life. He is not dismissive of the foreground, our immediate needs and concerns. But he also wants us to see that that's not the complete picture. To help us see, Jesus gives us two commands in Matthew 6. He says, do not be anxious and then seek first the kingdom of God. Do not be anxious. Three times in the passage read, Jesus says, do not be, be anxious. But what's interesting and important is that each time he says it, he adds a word on the front. He says, therefore, don't be anxious. Therefore, don't be anxious. What this means is that Christian peace is thoughtful, rational peace. It means we can deliberately think truth into place to help boundary our anxieties. Now, there are cases when anxiety is, in fact, a psychological 
or brain chemistry issue that therapy and medicine need to be engaged to help mitigate. But in most situations, Christians can use a therefore to think back to their source of peace. And what is that source? It's the truth that in Christ, God is our loving heavenly Father. This is the anchor of the entire Sermon of the Mount. It's the Father who sees our world, who hears our prayers, and therefore engages to provide for our needs. This is the background to our lives. The Father cares for you. And so we can cast our cares upon him. But the struggle is that the foreground overwhelms the background. And we end up only focusing on our immediate needs. And we begin asking, really being held down by questions, what if I can't get this? Or what if that happens? So what does Jesus do in his teaching? He brings the background to the foreground. He says, look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field. Who feeds them? Who dresses them? God does. God is managing the entire bird economy. God is in control of the lily fashion industry. Jesus is getting us to see the background that behind every good thing in all of creation, even birds and flowers, is the loving, sustaining hand of our heavenly Father. One of the questions, and I've heard it, perhaps you have too, one of the questions of pandemic time, of pandemic foreground is, where is God? One pastor I heard answer this way. He said, when Jesus walked among us, people asked him the question, where is God? And Jesus' answer was, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So where was Jesus? Well, in John chapter two, we find him in Cana, turning water into good wine at a wedding. But then in John 11, we find Jesus in Bethany, weeping at a funeral. Where is Jesus? He's at the wedding, and he's at the funeral. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. So where's God? God is at the wedding and the funeral. God is there on our good days and on our bad days. God is God on Good Friday, and God is God on Easter Sunday. He is God of the spectacular and God of the mundane. He is God of the hills and God of the valleys. He's God in the midst of our laughter and God in the midst of our tears. He's God when the market is up and he's God when the market is down. He's God when the shelves are full, and he's God when the shelves are empty. He is God in the light and God in the dark. Where is God? God is with us. The best definition of anxiety that I've heard is anxiety is imagining the future without Jesus in it when we realize that Jesus is present today and will be present tomorrow, when we remember that in all places Jesus carefully and sovereignly reigns, that's the background 
that frames the foreground so that we know we do not need to be afraid of anything. Even on our deathbed, there is nothing that can separate us from the love and the power of God. It's the hymn sings, this is our Father's world. Let us never forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. Therefore, do not be anxious. But then Jesus, in addition to giving us something to think, gives us something to do. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus connects our anxiety to our seeking. He says earlier in the message in the Sermon on the Mount, the pagans, that is, the people who don't yet know God, they run after all these things. And he's talking about health and wealth and comfort. That's what they want, and that's what they're anxious about losing. Do you see the connection that Jesus is making? Anxieties reveal priorities. We get anxious about the things into which we have put our hope. Earlier in a sermon, Jesus had said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, what you're invested in will have a vice grip on your heart. So what does Jesus do? Again, he calls the background to the foreground. And he says, let me give you something else to seek after. You want to be anxious for something? Be anxious for this. Seek first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? It means believing that God is ruling all things, even pandemic foreground things, by his unseen power and with his inscrutable wisdom. It means investing in eternal things. It means putting your ultimate hope not in this life, but in the next. How do we do that? Jesus tells us, get basic. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go the extra mile. Turn the extra cheek. Give till it hurts. Even toilet paper. Seek the kingdom of God means seeking the background of eternity and then radically demonstrating the love of Christ here and now. Do you know that the early Christians took Jesus' words to heart and they radically changed their world. The Roman world was full of plagues and epidemics regularly decimated cities. Though ancient people did not understand germ science, they knew enough to flee cities if they could. But the first Christians did not flee. They stayed. They served. They loved in his book, The Rise of Christianity, sociologist Rodney Stark, he develops a statistical argument that this commitment to, the, to providing courageous care for the sick was the major contributor to the rapid growth of the church in the first centuries. In fact, Eusebius, an early church historian, wrote that because of the church's compassion, the deeds of Christians were on everybody's lips. Throughout the centuries, the reports repeat. In England, during the 1800s, when many were dying of cholera, Charles Spurgeon and his church visited hundreds of homes 
to care for people. And even now, stories are coming in from churches in China and Italy who are on the streets sharing food and helping the sick. Waterstone, when this plague has passed, what will our neighbors remember of us? Will they remember that Christians took decisive action to support the vulnerable, even at personal and organizational cost? Will they remember that their Christian neighbors checked on how they were doing? Will they observe how we brought food and supplies to the most vulnerable within our own congregation? Will they watch how we stayed connected with each other through small groups or technology in order to continue to be empowered by the resurrection of Jesus? Will they remember that we love Jesus Christ and followed him with all effort because we remember how much he loves us. He, the one who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. That joy was a future day when all of us will be together in a place where all things are made new. But that joy bleeds into us now, and that joy and his love motivate us to care. Friends, may the background come into the foreground. In this fragile world, we are called to bear witness to the kingdom of God. In the coming weeks, may the Lord lead us to do just that in creative and compassionate ways. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the calm, peace-giving teachings of Jesus Christ, given for moments like this when the world is in chaos and seemingly out of control. Your word brings truth into perspective and your word gives us hope and an anchor that motivates us to be a hope and an anchor in our world. Thank you, Jesus, today for your love for us, your truth for us, your care for us. And may we now take that in this next week, whatever comes, may we take it into our world with you. For Christ's sake and for Waterstone's sake, amen. Well, thank you, Waterstone, for joining us today. And as you probably have heard by now, for the next few weeks, um, at least through the month of March, this is gonna be how we are worshiping together. I hope today blessed you uh, as much as it did me. Singing together, uh, Larry's preaching uh, uh, definitely touched me. And I, I don't know about you, but as I was listening to him, I, I had this thought um, that, that we know this, this illustration, right, of when you are on a plane and things go wrong, you're supposed to put your own oxygen mask on first and then help your neighbor. And I had the thought that there's nothing wrong with people getting what they need to take care of themselves and their family. That's really important uh, in this season. But... 
What we see often happening in culture right now is people grabbing 50 oxygen masks for themselves. So how can we as a church be generous? How can we as a church love our neighbor and seek first the kingdom? So I have a challenge for you uh, that just came to me. It's probably the weirdest challenge you've ever gotten. Uh, but I would encourage you this week to maybe go to a neighbor and give them a roll of toilet paper. It's got to be the most awkward and amazing conversation starter you've ever had. Uh, but just to reach out to your neighbor, love them, care for them, uh, hand them a roll of to toilet paper and see how they're doing in this season. Uh, last thing I'll say is that we are getting really excited for Easter. We are hoping so much that we will be able to meet together in our building uh, on April 12th. Uh, ironically, a, a few weeks ago, our staff and communications team and preaching team, we met together and we thought, what is the theme for Easter this year? And the theme we came up with was Easter, hope greater than fear. We are an Easter people. We are a people that seek first God's kingdom and that we believe in the power of the resurrection, a God who is stronger than death in any pandemic. May we live that out this week as the people of Waterstone. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, we do, we thank you for this time um, that we can sing uh, songs of your sovereignty, of your grace, of your mercy. Um, Father, that, that we can open scripture and hear the, the beautiful teachings of Jesus that, that call us not to worry, but to seek his kingdom first. Father, we do want to lift up our governing officials, the people who are in, in positions of power and that are making decisions. Um, it seems, God, that, that so many of us are scrambling to make sense of this situation. So we just pray wisdom over our leaders. Uh, we pray wisdom over our healthcare professionals that are, are likely going into seasons where they are going to be on high alert and high um, working hours. And, and we pray for, for their strength um, and that we could support them as well. And Father, lastly, we just ask that we, the people of Waterstone in this season, would not be anxious, would not have a spirit of fear in this, these uncertain times, but that we would seek first your kingdom. In the power of Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming, and we'll see you guys next week.